0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, I'm excited to have back Neha Singh, who was with us last year in a roundtable discussion, but today we have her to ourselves. She is the founder and CEO of Obsess, an experiential e commerce platform enabling brands to create visual, immersive, branded online shopping experiences. She was previously the head of product at Vogue, where she was responsible for the product strategy and technology execution of Vogue's digital business, including content products, ad products, and distribution platforms. Prior to that, she was the VP of product and engineering at AHA Life, an e-commerce startup for luxury style products. She began her career at Google, where she was a software engineer and tech lead for five years and worked at Google AdWords and Google News. She holds an undergraduate and computer science degree from the University of Texas at Austin and is a graduate of computer science degree from MIT. Very accomplished and very excited to have this conversation today. Neha, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me, Melissa. Really excited to be
0: here. Yes, Um, well, I gave a very high-level introduction about Obsess, and so for those who weren't part of the roundtable discussion last year, can you tell our audience a little bit more about Obsess and why you started the company?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, So Obsess is essentially a virtual store platform. Uh, We enable brands and retailers to create 3D 360 immersive experiences on their websites. Um, so kind of the origin story of the company is that if you think about you know, any e-commerce website today, typically you find a grid of thumbnails on a wide background. Um, you know, whether you're shopping for fashion, home, beauty, any, kind, any brand, any category, it's really all websites look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this interface was originally created by Amazon 25 years ago to sell books, and then somehow it just got used for every category. Uh, But we know that today's consumers, they are so used to visual content and interactivity because they're spending all their time on social media and gaming, but e-commerce has really kind of not um, kept up with that um, new consumer behavior. Um, So what we have done is created a proprietary patent pending technology that basically enables us to render really high quality graphics on the web. Um, at a high resolution, uh, fast performance. And what this essentially means is that brands can create these immersive worlds right on their website. So you don't have to download an app. You don't have to put on a VR headset. It's super easy to access just on your phone or on your computer. Um, and it gives the consumer this whole branded world to explore. Um, they can you know, kind of discover products similar to the behavior that you find in retail stores and typically May be fine on Instagram, but not really on um, on brands' own e-commerce websites, um, and it's really a way to build brand loyalty with this new um, new generation of consumers. To Um, have a new way for them to remember the brand, because again, like the standard e-commerce interface is so generic and uh, so tedious. And the only thing that's Mm -hmm. really different is like a font or a color or something like that. Right. So over time, as more and more transactions move to e-commerce, brands have to figure out how they differentiate themselves from each other. Um, And yeah, so our platform basically makes it easy for brands to do that. Uh, We work across um, brands and retailers in a variety of different categories.
0: Well, I remember when you first started, I remember, I think you came to my office with (laughs) (laughs) and it was really early on, but things have accelerated quickly since then. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you've seen consumers evolve over the past couple of years? And, you know, obviously the past 12 to 18 months, I think has been an accelerant to that and how those changing behaviors have also kind of, um, I think it contributed to the opportunity and growth of obsess and you know what you're bringing to brands
1: yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, kind of talking about two different um, sets of behaviors that consumers, um, consumer behaviors that have accelerated in the last couple of years. So, first, kind of going back to, um, you know, this gaming. Um, if you, today, like 75% of millennials and Gen Z consumers are either playing games or watching games through esports, right? So, um, that basically means that they're so used to this kind of 3D, 360, um, environments, like visuals, and used mm-hmm. to interacting with that digitally. And by the way, the reason, fundamental reason for that and why this is all happening in the last like couple, two to three years is because it's really a hardware evolution, um, you know, hardware evolution cycle that now our phones, our computers are able to process um, enough that we are actually able to create these rich graphics, right? So it's a, it's really kind of a continuum of, you know, when the internet started, it was all just like, Text and then it was like images and videos, and now our computers can process all this. So, younger consumers are used to that. They have grown up with that, and that's because the technology is now there and possible to do that. So, that's kind of one aspect. The other aspect is, of course, the pandemic, and over the last like 18 months, um, all kinds of consumers becoming more comfortable with e commerce, more comfortable with online shopping, making that purchase decision um online and really kind of expecting that um, from all brands right and expecting better um, better experiences expecting of course convenience um but also kind of you know how can how can a brand delight me like i'm here all day at home and i need Mm -hmm. uh, i need a distraction so i think i think the combination of all those things is uh what is leading to the rise of experiential e-commerce um, they're, you know, just the same way that experiential, as you very well know, in, you know, for the last five to 10 years came to retail, and now mm-hmm. consumers are expecting the same kind of experiences um, online as well.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I, I've never shopped so much online as I have in the past 18 months. So, so I get it. And it's so important that it's a great consumer experience. Can you share some of your, your clients with the audience, maybe some of your most recent Um, And I know you have some like new emerging categories because when you first started, you were a little bit more into the fashion, but now there's more beauty happening. So can you tell us about that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, um, you know, we work with uh, brands across a variety of different categories as the platform itself is, you know, category agnostic. Any brand that wants to create, you know, a better consumer experience to sell products can do so. So uh, we work across many different categories, including in fashion. We work with Coach, um, Tommy Hilfiger. Um, A lot of beauty brands, we work with Dermalogica, NARS, um, Charlotte Tilbury, uh, Mary Kay. Um, We also work with Naomi, which is like a lingerie brand in the Middle Mm -hmm. East. We work with Sam's Club, which is a very different, obviously, category. We also work with American Girl uh, in the toy category. So these are just like some of them, but also, you know, going we are going into home appliances, Mm -hmm. um, media, entertainment, music. So. Yeah, and it's really interesting. I think over the last like six months, especially we have seen kind of interest from just a lot of different categories that we weren't even targeting before and just really amazing like consumer um, results as well from them.
0: Well, speaking of results, um, what surprise learnings and insights have you had um, maybe over the past eight months when it comes to consumers engagement with the platform?
1: Yeah, so um, I guess, yeah, first of all, what we have seen is really kind of uh, consumer engagement across just the variety of demographics. So as much as I'm saying that, you know, it's for uh, it's for like, you know, younger consumers. But we first of all, with kids, like we have certain experiences for kids and we see absolutely off the charts engagement with Uh, And which is just so awesome. I have no doubt. Like my
0: daughter, her ability on these devices, especially when they went to virtual school, she's six. She can open Zoom, change her name, change her backgrounds. They all are using augmented reality. She's showing me how to do it. And she, you know, she's five, six years old.
1: Yeah. So that was just like, that was just amazing to see, like, you know, off the charts results in terms of any engagement. But at the same time, we have a lot of very um, high-end luxury brands that are targeting um, you know, much kind of um, older demographic. And we see like just a lot of comfort with this format because ultimately it's very intuitive. You know, the you're, you're, you, real world is 3D, you know how to shop in a store, you're doing the same thing online. Um, so I think that was really interesting for us to see just like a wide, um, you know, probably more ends of the spectrum than we had originally kind of targeted. The other, um, other surprising thing, I guess maybe not not so surprising from a consumer perspective, but from a brand perspective, we were originally targeting, um, you know, luxury brands as we thought they Mm -hmm. are the ones who are, you know, where the experience is the most important, which obviously it is. But really what we have seen is amazing engagement across price points. So first of all, like, you know, brands across different price, price points have tried our platform and it really, yeah, doesn't matter, like in terms of the price point, like people are engaging with, if you create, Um, an engaging creative experience like consumers are just like engaging with it like with sam's club you know we did a christmas um, uh, experience last year where they created this um, house based on the national lampoon's christmas vacation movie and you know the whole house was decorated with sam's club products and just Mm. amazing like engagement from customers like going to every room going to every version of every room um, so yeah, it's it's really you know it's really about just you know, creating um, an experience, and if you make it interesting for consumers, they will um, you know they will explore it. Um, and then I guess the other um, kind of one of the other learnings that we have had, and maybe not so surprising, but maybe it is, um, is that ultimately in digital, right, some of the same um, same you know, principles of regular sort of like UI UX design still apply to this in the sense that. In digital people usually click on things that, that are clear to them you know in real in real life like maybe we'll create some experiences where we want to have a lot of mystery or we don't want to show people what it is sure. but in digital it's like people don't necessarily like tap on things or click on things that it's not clear to them so this has an impact on how we design our virtual stores more in terms of very much like the layout and Um, you know the user journey through it so the more that it's a very um clear layout like you can see you know here's this section here's this section i can go here i can go there that gets the highest engagement whereas if you try to make it something where you know it's not really clear where the user can go or like what's behind this door um people will not click on it so Mm -hmm. so if you are designing virtual stores it's better to make them like as clear as obvious as possible as to you know the the layout so you know, it's kind of like a uh, store, like retail store layout, but like the virtual version of that, which we have been having a lot of learnings about.
0: No, so that goes to one of my next questions was, what does onboarding look like, right? And how are you guiding your clients to what consumers are looking for, like the National Lampoon Experience Sam SoundCloud, That's so smart. Are you working with the marketing team? Are you working with the store design team? Like, how, how, do, how does that um, relationship work?
1: yeah, so um, that's a great question. So there are two ways in which we um, create these virtual stores. So one is that we can take the retail store, so the physical space and basically virtualize it. In this case, the brand is setting up their retail store just like they would um, you know normally. However, sometimes brands are doing um, special kind of layouts or special merchandising just for the virtual store. And then they kind of change it back, which is really smart because Mm -hmm. then we are optimizing it a little bit for mobile consumption, um, right? So that's kind of one way. In that case, we go and we photograph the store. It's a pretty like quick process. Uh, All the products are tagged. Uh, where the user can and we integrate with the e-commerce platform so that um, as the user taps on any product in the store, they can see all the information, add it to cart and so on. The other way um, is that is completely digitally creating um, a virtual store. So in this case, it doesn't exist in real life and a brand can make any type of a space that they want. They can make it look like a retail store, they can make it look like a house, they can make it look like a planet, like whatever they want. So in in that case, we are um, taking creative direction from the brand. Um, Obviously, they are the ones who uh, who have the creativity, but we are implementing or executing it in many cases. In some cases, actually, brands retail designers are now also designing their virtual stores. So ultimately, you know, um, it's, they, are, they work in 3D to design um, retail stores, and they can use the same tools to design a virtual store. And we are giving, in that case, we are giving them more guidance from just what we have seen in sites and data from the 80 stores that we have launched so far. Um, so in, in the second case, typically it's a bit of a longer process because obviously you are starting a store design from scratch, um, it's very iterative. So you build something, look at it, like see how it feels and so on. Um, and then ultimately, similarly, we integrate with the e-commerce platform so that all of it um, lives very seamlessly on the brand's website.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when you guys did the Tommy Hilfiger store, when they did the collaboration with Zendaya, and that was more of a pop-up, yeah. right? But then you were able to extend the life of that in-store environment online. Um, yeah. Any like, Can you tell us a little about that and like, do you ever see learnings where maybe different things sold that you didn't expect or the performance of online is different than the in-store?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, first of all, we do in terms of the first um, kind of method, we do a lot of um, pop-up stores and a lot of flagship store openings. Um, mm-hmm. Especially recently, um, I guess a lot of flagship stores have been opening, um, so or reopening or new flagship stores opening. So, we've been doing a lot of those as brands are um, kind of you know re- realizing that if they are putting the investment into the store, they might as well make a virtual version of it to extend the reach and the audience. Um, So, yeah, so I guess like, you know, with the pop-up stores, we definitely see where um, we can keep the pop-up store alive for longer after the physical store has closed. Um, It can also just reach people who are not able to go to the uh, physical Mm -hmm. store. So just as an example, um, with Sam's Club in spring, we actually did like a series of pop-ups that they had um, all around the country for uh, patio, you know, spring patio furniture. And the pop-ups themselves were basically these kiosks that you could look at but you weren't able to actually buy things from the pop-up and you could buy things from the virtual version and that the pop-ups were open for a weekend but the virtual store was open for like a month or so Um, so it was an amazing way for them to actually have their customers from anywhere in the country like see these Mm pop-ups that were designed by famous interior designers Um, so that's definitely a use case we see a lot um yeah flagship stores we have done a bunch of them recently um lots opening on 57th street um and yeah i think what we see in terms of um products differences in product sold on um i think it's more different when we are digitally designing the store because if we are photographing the physical store we generally tend to see the same um similar patterns because it's very much the experience of actually going to the store. So the same products that have been highlighted in the physical store are the ones that appear most prominent Mm -hmm. in the virtual store. But when we are completely digitally designing a store, then it can vary a lot. And brands can also switch out, like in that case, products anytime that they want. So, you know, whatever, let's say their front display is, they can kind of switch out the products every week, just like they would on their site or, Um, So I think the most uh, the thing that determines which products um, get the most clicks and buys is really the placement, which, you know, is very much like how retail uh, stores are designed as well. So that that works very consistently um, and just how how and where you um, display the products determines that.
0: Right. Uh, that makes sense. So um, you guys. um... Recently raised a new round of funding, ten million, right? Um, what are you? What are your growth plans? What is on your technology evolution roadmap?
1: Yeah, so um, for the new round, um, in terms of our platform, we are making um, a lot of um, kind of new um, innovations as well as. Um, a lot of new integrations. So, in terms of innovation, one of the biggest um, sort of areas in our roadmap is around social shopping with friends. So shopping with friends is, of course, something you do in you know real life, and but it hasn't really ever like translated online because the format has not really led to it. So we are building, uh, capabilities where you'll be able to um, go to the virtual stores and shop with your friends together uh, in a way vi- over a video chat and see each other like in the store so it's going to be a totally different you know thing for online shopping like it's never been done before of course it's very common in games again where you are all looking at each other and talking to each other while you're playing a game so it's kind of bringing that behavior into online shopping but just a lot of other you know for us it's very important to make the experience human and so we already have um, some things in the, in, you know, in some of our virtual stores where you have people who can welcome you into the store, we want to make that functionality much more interactive so um, someone can guide you through the store, you can talk to a sales associate while you're in the store. So a lot of those like human touch points. Um, so that's kind of one area of our development. The second is really around just um, when I said integrations, it's, um, you know, what we are finding is that brands are using these virtual stores as a way to promote a lot of their um, in-store services and their mm-hmm. digital services as well, beyond products. So right. in-store services, like, so you can book an appointment, uh, you should be able to book an appointment directly to the virtual store or book a virtual consultation. So having all these kind of just built into the virtual store so you can just complete this action without having to leave the experience. Or sometimes, you know, in some cases, like the, some of the stores have like restaurants and you can make a reservation in, mm-hmm. in the, so yeah, a lot of these kind of, um, these services, which is very interesting that it's also a way that brands are promoting services beyond products. So that's kind of on the tech roadmap side. And then beyond that, you know, uh, we are expanding sort of to new verticals um, and we are, we are going to use this new funding to do that as well as um, geographically.
0: that makes a ton of sense and that's interesting i mean you want to keep people captive in a platform as long as you can right when they leave then yeah you see drop off so um your roadmap um is exciting in itself but from your lens and what you're sitting where you're sitting i guess is my final question is what is what does vr look like in the next three to five years like what's the possibility where are we going
1: Yeah, so um, I mean obviously virtual reality is a very kind of broad term, so I think there's a lot of interesting things that are happening in sort of like different niches of it so first is just this concept of like virtual worlds and like metaverse and you know there's a lot of activity in that space and. Um, brands are also starting to look into it and creating. Um, I think it's completely open as to what's going to happen there, whether, you know, there will be one or two metaverses similar to big social media networks yeah. or whether they'll be like a whole bunch of them what that even means. Um, so I think that is like going to be going to be evolving very rapidly over the next five years. and people's lives like more than our lives are already um, online and digital they will be more and more virtual and people will be you know doing all these actions just in the virtual worlds and may never do them in the real world so I think that's like super super interesting um, the other I think you know especially related to like fashion I think what's really interesting I mean it's, it's sort of VR but maybe not is just um, the rise of virtual fashion so I think mm. that's um, already ha- has started to happen and it will accelerate a lot where a lot of um let's say clothing items will not be made physically. They will just be made virtually and you will just be wearing them in your virtual worlds or in your filters on Instagram or photos oh, yeah. on Instagram. And, and I think you know brands have some of some brands have already started kind of making virtual fashion, but I think most brands are going to do that over the next few years. Um, and I think some new brands will emerge that are just completely virtual and never make anything physically. Um, so, yeah, that's another like area that's like yeah, mind-blowing mind, mind. Mind and I used to <laughs> kind of talk about it like two years ago as something that's like going to happen way in the future, but it's like totally accelerated over the last like year as well. Um, then, of course, like, you know, another area of virtual reality is the actual devices and the headsets. So, um, when I first started the company, um, you know, four years ago, we were building for virtual reality headsets and mm-hmm. it was a bit too early at that stage, but now... Um, you know, they're sort of coming back and gaining, um, gaining adoption, um, especially with Oculus. So we are seeing more and more brands now coming to us uh, about you know, headset experiences. And so um, over the next like three to five years, definitely um, head, actual headsets will you know, come back, become much more common. Apple will release some device. Um, so, the, the whole experience is going to become much more immersive than what you see in, in your mobile phones. Mobile phones, I think, will still stay the primary kind of device at least for another like three years for these kinds of experiences. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of different, um, you know, and I think overall like virtual shopping sort of like um what we are starting to see is like some of the more forward-thinking brands establishing their virtual selling divisions and the virtual Mm -hmm. selling divisions involve a lot of different um kind of services so the virtual stores like what we provide is one of them but also you know just um those video live streaming platforms Mm -hmm. where you can speak with the sales associate like virtual consultations. so all of this is kind of becoming its own um its own kind of almost like division within within brands so I think over the next three to five years we will see that solidify and it's in it'll be interesting to see whether that lives as part of retail or digital or its own thing right now it's kind of a mix of both, all of the above um, but it's going to become sort of its own channel in some way for selling for retailers
0: yeah it's interesting how holistic the approach is becoming and, and I do think that's going to be the challenge and probably the formula for success is they don't end up ever living in silos and it's this as fluid a continuum as possible. So I'm just interacting with the brand regardless of how it is. And it just feels as organic as possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That would be the ideal. And that's like omni-channel experience is how many of our brands, like I say that, or many of our brands say it is like omni-channel logistics is what people have been focusing on so far. And that's, you know, solved for the most part now. And now it's about omni-channel experience and how you can go to any of these channels or in-store or online, but still get the brand experience.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Well, this is an exciting conversation. Like I said, a lot's happened since the four years. I can't even believe it's only been four years because I feel like you've, you've accomplished so much and I'm seeing yeah. um, it expand so much through different brands you know, that you're working with. And, and congrats again on the raise and, and the roadmap ahead um, and then sharing your insights about what the future holds. So everybody again, um, this is Neha Singh. She's the founder and CEO of Access. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much, Melissa.